Lecture 8, Part 1 of The Endowments of Man by William Bernard Ullathorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Lecture 8 On Justice and Moral Evil Part 1 If thou do well, shalt thou not receive? But if ill, shall not sin be forthwith at the door? Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 the fatherly remonstrance addressed by the Almighty to the firstborn child of Adam, whilst he was yet brooding in his wounded pride, and in the angry swelling of his soul against his unoffending brother, shows that to sin or not to sin is in the power of the human will. How can God be the cause of that evil which he forbids, rebukes, and punishes? In the kingdom of man, the will is the sovereign power. God created that power, but he created it to act freely from itself and to be a principle of causation. In creating the will of each rational creature, he gave to that will the free prerogative of originating its own acts and left it free in the choice of actions, free to act or not to act free to act in one direction or its opposite, without any compulsion or coercion from any external cause. Having once given to his created image the noble gift of freedom, he neither recalls nor violates nor destroys that freedom, but he presents his truth to enlighten the will, and his law to guide it to the way of justice and his grace to strengthen its power, and to enable it to ascend to the divine good for which it was created. Evil is opposed to good as non-existence is opposed to existence. To understand moral evil, therefore, we must first understand moral good. Real good is substantial good, Moral good is the rule of conduct that leads us to substantial good. It is that conduct of the soul which disposes and prepares us for the reception of our real good. If thou do well, shalt thou not receive. But moral evil disorders the soul and unfits her for her real good. But if ill, shall not sin be forthwith at the door man is a moral being because he is intelligent and free and because he is made for a good that is greater than himself he is a moral being because he is made for the supreme good and has a multiplicity of faculties and powers that have to be harmonized and regulated with respect to that good he is a moral being because he is subject to the order, law, and rule of that good made known to him in the light of truth. The principle of that moral order is the universal justice that gives to God what is due to God, to our own nature what is due to our nature, and to every creature what is due to that creature. As St. John Chrysostom often remarks, 
this universal justice embraces all the virtues the just man so often spoken of in the scriptures is the man who keeps all the commandments and fulfills the whole law of god moral evil on the contrary is the disorder of injustice which either diminishes or destroys the order of moral good as moral good which is the rectitude of the will prepares us to receive our real good moral evil which is the disorder of the will is the cause of our losing our real good wherever justice comes it reconciles all things and brings them into harmony but where injustice comes it dissolves the peace and concord of things the unjust man of the scriptures is the man who fails from the divine law that regulates all good the fountain of justice is the bosom of god the light that illuminates the law of justice is implanted by god in the mind and conscience of man the subject of justice is the free will of man by which it is exercised according to the light of justice in the mind and conscience these three points will each require a separate consideration as an attribute of his divine nature the justice of god is high and unsearchable it is as far in perfection above that law of justice which is revealed for the conduct of us mortals as the divine nature is above the most enlightened of creatures the justice therefore by which god is just is altogether different from the justice by which man is just even though the justice of man is a partaking of the justice of god justice in god is the absolute order of all the good that he is if we consider the attributes of god as they are one with the divine nature justice is the perfect unity equality and harmony between them if we consider the three divine persons in god justice is the perfect equality that exists between them as the eternal wisdom is the law of eternal justice and the divine will its active principle the divine justice is the perfect equality of the divine will and the divine wisdom god is justice as he is truth and as he is goodness and his justice is the perfect order of his truth and goodness justice in a word is the true and sovereign beauty of god's infinite and eternal virtue when we pass from the justice which god is to the justice that he imparts to his creatures we must again say that the justice of god is not as the justice of man god owes nothing to any creature but every creature owes all things to god the justice of god is not therefore commutative but distributive commutative justice belongs to the intelligent creature and consists in giving to god what is due to him and to every creature what is their due honor to whom honor obedience to whom obedience 
love to whom love and right to whom right is owing but the distributive justice of god is first what he owes to himself and to his eternal plans which he completes with a generous bounty then it is the just proportion that is due according to his promise to good and evil dealing with the good according to its merits and with the evil according to its deservings when consentius put the question to saint augustine how can god be the self-subsisting justice since justice lives in us and is that by which we live the great doctor replied in substance as follows the life by which all spirits live must be self-subsistent for even souls that are dead from the loss of justice have yet a life that endures for ever although the true life of the soul the life of her life is justice but if souls cannot live except with a life of their own upon which the body also lives how much more must that true justice have a self-subsisting life from which all souls live and so live that they who are deprived of that life are accounted to be dead even though they still have a certain kind of life but that self-subsisting life is certainly god whose life is unsearchable and that life of god which is self-subsisting is made life to us when we partake of it so also is that self-subsisting justice made justice to us when through adhering to that justice we live justly and become more or less just as we cleave more or less to that justice but it is obvious that the supreme good is that true and supreme justice and that when in this our pilgrimage we hunger and thirst after justice we obtain that justice and in the eternal life we shall be satiated with that justice let us not imagine that god is like our justice but rather reflect that the more just we are the more we are like to god by partaking of his justice the psalmist sings that god worketh justice and that his right hand is full of justice this is the justice that god renders to himself in completing and perfecting his works according to his plans st thomas says that the justice of god is truth because whatever he ordains he fulfills take this justice away and the world would perish for all things subsist from the order that is in them god wills that order and the order that he wills is his justice he wills to complete his works according to his eternal plan this he owes to no creature but it is his justice to the truth of his own eternal plan when an artist forms a great design in his own mind and then leaves its lines incomplete and its coloring defective it is not to his work but to himself that he is unjust god has poured such a wonderful affluence upon his works 
that he may do justice to his own eternal designs when the psalmist compares the eternal justice to the mountains of god and to a deep abyss he adds by way of exemplifying that justice thou preservest both man and beast not because this justice is due to them but because it is due to his own eternal plan in commenting on the words of the psalm thy praise is unto the ends of the earth thy right hand is full of justice st chrysostom thus enlarges upon this order of divine justice thy praise worketh such great resplendent high wonderful and glorious things for it is not in a measured way that thou carest for them whom thou dost benefit nor dost thou look to their deservings but all is for the sake of thine own magnificence what is of god's nature is one with his substance and what is that the psalmist tells us thy right hand is full of justice showing that what god does for the benefit of his creatures is not due to their merits but to his own substance for his substance delights in justice and rejoices in benignity and clemency this is his work this is his way from which he draws so many benefits as it is the nature of fire to warm and of the sun to shine so it is the nature of god to do good and to do incomparably more good than we can understand and therefore it is said thy right hand is full of justice to express the affluence of good that flows from his substance the distributive justice of god gives gifts to his creatures in the order and proportion which accords with his free bounty and generous mercy this has been admirably explained in the book on the divine names god's justice is exalted says that luminous writer because he distributes to all things what is suitable to the character of each and imparts to each its becoming measure beauty order and proportion he determines the kinds of things with their due distributions according to the most just bounds and limits that are proper to each of them and that he is the author to all of the action proper to each of them for the divine justice regulates all things keeping them from being mingled and confounded with one another and giving to all what is befitting to each god learns nothing from his creatures he knows them all in their nature and qualities in the divine word of his wisdom before he produces them he beholds all the diversities of things in their original plans as they exist before him in their eternal forms or ideas he beholds their various degrees of good and perfection and the relations and dependencies in which they stand towards himself and towards each other as he has ordained them and as in the nature of things they ought to be these just and due relations of things with god and with each other 
constitute their essential order. And this essential order of things is what we call their eternal law and their unchangeable rule, and what in the nature of things is right and just. And the light which shines from this essential order into our minds, making known to us the just and due relations of things toward God and towards each other, is what we call right reason and unchangeable everlasting truth and the justice of things. According to that eternal law, God loves himself with a necessary love as he is the supreme good in himself and the good of all things. And he loves all that he beholds in his creatures according to the good that is in each and its nearer resemblance to him. When agreeing with that unchangeable rule of justice, everything is just and in its proper place, and is treated according to its deservings, and receives what is proper for it. And when we conform our wills to this essential order and rule of justice, our will is made just, and we value and love all things according to their worth. And from this essential order of the just relations of things, all spirits obtain their knowledge and love of justice. We are made reasonable by partaking of the light of that essential order and right reason of things, which gives us the knowledge and love of the true and just order of things and of the rules of conduct that spring from them. And this reason is called universal reason, or common sense, because it is common to all rational creatures. But the foundation of this reason is that unchangeable and everlasting truth in which God beholds the just order and the essential relations of all things in his own eternal mind. And it is only as God beholds them that what is true is true, and what is just is just. But God beholds the whole just and true order of things in his own eternal light, in their original forms or patterns as they exist before him. And of this light he has given us a certain created participation in our reason, which is a pale and limited reflection or shadow of his own light, truth, and justice. And in this light of reason, we see the principles of natural truth reflected, as well as the order and law of natural justice. But the man of faith receives the light of divine truth, given more directly to him as a supernatural gift and grace, whereby he holds with the firm conviction of faith, which the power of grace can alone explain whatever truth God has revealed above the order of nature and the natural scope of the understanding. With that divine truth, the man of faith receives also the light of the order and law of supernatural justice, by whose guidance the faithful will is brought into the subjection of humility and the union of charity with God. No one has explained this light of truth and justice as God has implanted it in the human soul 
with more admirable clearness than St. Augustine, but we must use his language with studied brevity. That true interior justice which comes not of human custom, but is derived from the most just law of the omnipotent God, is the light that forms the manners of the nations according to their times and conditions. The laws change, but justice does not change. Only the change in the conditions of things requires that the same unchangeable justice shall be secured by changing the laws to suit the change of things. It is not the voice of man that gives us to understand the truth, but the truth itself present to our mind. The voice of the teacher only directs our attention to that truth which is within us. What we really consult, and what truly teaches us, is the unchangeable virtue and wisdom of God. Yet that truth and justice is only open to each one according to the good or evil disposition of his will. It is no fault in the sun's light when we fail to see what is present before our eyes, and it is no fault of God's truth when we fail to see the truth and justice that are present in our mind. The sun shines upon the blind man as well as upon him who has sight, yet one sees and the other does not, because although the light is present with the blind man, he is absent from the light. Truth and wisdom are everywhere present, for they were looked upon by the men of past times, and are looked upon by men in every place at this present time. For that justice which I see myself here at this moment is the same justice that other men saw in distant times, and which other men see at this very time in places most distant from me. Their souls are united with the same justice with which my soul is united. Thus the light of justice is its own evidence, and bears its own witness to the eye of every soul that is well disposed. Is this light of justice present to unbelievers? Undoubtedly it is present, but their eye is not open to receive it. For as the gospel says, the light shone in darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. No one will deny that what is incorruptible is better than what is corruptible, or that what is eternal is better than what is temporal, or that what is inviolable is better than what can be violated nor will any one deny that we ought to turn our soul away from corruption and to seek what is incorruptible, or that a life which no adversity can move from its fixed and honest purpose is better than one that is easily broken down by temporal disadvantages. But whoever confesses this to be the truth must also confess that this truth is unchangeable and is common to all who are able to see it, and that there are lights and rules of the virtues which are true and fixed, and present to all who look on them and reflect upon them, 
and that they are present to every one's mind and reason but they belong to justice and wisdom and when we turn to them and accept them and refuse to let fear or suffering turn us from them we act justly and wisely the more we direct our life upon these rules of justice and lights of wisdom the more truly and wisely we live nor can it be said that we are in a state of separation from justice and wisdom they are as fixed and unchangeable as the laws and rules of numbers which no one thinks of disputing and which are equally common to all who contemplate them the prophet says to god thy law is truth the law of god is truth because it represents the essential order and the just relations of things as they are seen in god this truth is the law of all rational creatures because it presents to them that just and right order of things which is justice and this truth this justice this law which is the rule of justice is the regulator of the will and of the love of every reasonable creature through its action in the conscience but when the love of the will is regulated the whole life of man is regulated for as christ has taught us all the commandments are directed to the regulation of our love this is also expressed in the canticles where the bride says of the bridegroom the loving soul of the loving god he hath set charity in order within me for this charity is the perfect order of justice in which god is justly loved above and before all things with the whole mind heart and soul and all things else are loved in god and for god according to their goodness worth dignity and nearness to god to love myself therefore in god and for god is the just and perfect order of loving myself and my neighbor cannot complain if i love him in god and for god because it is the most perfect love that i can give him nothing can teach me my true position nothing can reveal to me the true condition of my heart nothing can enlarge my moral being and lift my will into a just virtuous and happy condition with so much effort as to meditate upon and to penetrate into the law of justice which god has implanted in my reason or revealed to my faith to inspire us with the love of that eternal justice the holy spirit inspired that magnificent psalm which is the one hundred and eighteenth in the psalter it is a continuous creed alternating with continuous prayer in which we cleave with faith to the law of divine justice and ask for light to understand and grace to perfect in ourselves the law the will and the justice of god it is not therefore without a profound reason that this psalm is distributed into the three daily hours of the church a few sentences of it in example will give the burden of the whole 
Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Give me understanding that I may learn thy law. How have I loved thy law, O Lord? It is my meditation all the day long. Teach me goodness, discipline, and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. But I shall rise to the majesty and magnificence of the law that God has revealed to my mind and made sensible to my conscience. I shall rest in security upon its immovable solidity when I realize to myself that this law and rule of my life is an imparted reflection of that unchangeable order and that substantial and eternal justice which God is. Fashion no idols to yourself, says St. Augustine. Banish from your mind all phantoms, all images and pictures of your imagination, and you will find that God is justice. Hence the scripture says, Thy justice is everlasting, and thy law is truth. End of Lecture 8, Part 1